Welcome to Melanated Faith, a podcast about faith and culture. On this podcast, you're going to hear the truth spoken, the tea spilled, and pop culture explored by your co-host, Faith and Catherine. Hey guys, welcome back. Today we're going to be talking about chapter 7. Chapter 7 is called Facing the Oppressed, Facing God. And this chapter is about repentance. Faith, can you tell us what do you think repentance means in the context of reconciliation? I think in the context of reconciliation, repentance means a complete turning away from ideologies, behaviors, actions. Like if you were racist before and you decide, you know, I want to repent. I don't want to be racist anymore. I want to change my ways. Then that means you are completely turning away from your racist ways. I mean, a complete 180 turning away. So that means now that you know, and you're really choosing to acknowledge you are responsible to, um, really begin the process in your own life of dismantling these systems that continue to oppress people. So to me, repentance is like complete turning away, complete. And like, when you know better, you do better. Okay. That's repentance yes. to me in yes. this context yes. that we're talking yes. about. Yes. As Mother Oprah would say, yes, God. Yes. Um, yeah. I think repentance is like deeply biblical. It is, it's this idea that like you, yeah, you turn away from whether it's sin or, you know, change. it's, it's, and it's demonstrable, right? By change behavior. Like you don't say, oh, I'm sorry. I won't ever do that again. Or I'm repenting and then continue in those same actions or behaviors. Like that's kind of like an empty, um, it's an empty promise. Now I will say that repentance doesn't mean you'll never stumble again, right? Like, especially if you've lived your whole life, um, you know, struggling with, race racism and understanding race so the idea that like you're going to repent one time and never make a mistake again um is not realistic which is why we talked about in the previous chat like chapters like forgiveness and humility and like just owning your mistakes um there's a really great example of um this in illustrated in the book why are the black kids sitting together um which if you haven't read that it's amazing. You should totally read it. Um, but she talks about how, um, which I, this goes with the whole repentance thing about how, um, basically if you think about in the airport, those like moving sidewalks, um, and how they're taking you to a destination qu quickly, like you're going fast. And most people, because of the systems and how things have been set up in the United States, the constitution, you know, that black people are three fifths of America, like taking of Native American land, all these things, there's some structures that exist already um, that are actively carrying us to a um, unjust outcome. So basically, we're all on this moving walkway. Um, for those that have repented, repent, if you have experienced repentance, you cannot stand and just say, oh, well, you know, I'm not actively going towards these unjust outcomes anymore. Um, you know, I'm just, I'm standing here. No, I, you know, I'm not racist anymore. I'm not actively racist. Um, that's actually not helping us any because we're still, we're still going, <laughs> you're still going to the unjust outcomes. And so what it means to 
actually repent is to stop and actively turn around and walk against maybe everybody else, maybe your cousin in them. But, um, but the idea that like repentance isn't like a standing still, it isn't doing the things that you've always done. It isn't speaking in the same ways you've always spoken. It, it, it doesn't involve accepting the invitations you've always accepted. Um, there's some things that have to change. You're going to have to give up power. You're going to have to give up control. Um, and so, yeah, I think Tasha makes a really great point of like, you got to put your money where your mouth is in in this and that um, repentance is not just kind of like an empty term that we just spiritualize and throw around and then it doesn't require anything of us. But I think repentance does mean like a conscious effort um, to move away from who you once were towards something new, right? Um, and I just think of like Corinthians where it's like, you know, we're new creatures and we're not doing the old things in our old ways anymore. We're going to put on some new things. We're going to get some new behaviors, got a new attitude. Um, And I think that's really important because I think frequently what we see in this area, and Tasha kind of talks about it in this chapter, is, you know, people will repent, but then not change any of their behaviors. They'll still do the same sort of things, right? Like where it's like, oh, you know, I recognize, you know, white supremacy is an issue, but I'm still talking over all the people of color in my life. Mm, mm. <laughs> and it's like, it's like, that is a word to somebody. <laughs> it's like, okay, girl, but you know, that's not actually repentance, you know? And so maybe repentance for you, like the action that you need to follow through looks like, stepping back and like going into a period of silence. Right. Exactly. I think also too, like, just like what you're saying, like you can, people can repent, but then it feels kind of like half hearted when you're taking up space in these discussions and you're not even listening. So it's like, what are you, what did you repent for? Like, you're not even, you're not walking it out. You know what I'm saying? Like we we need people to not just repent about this sin of racism, but then you need to like walk out what it looks like to completely change your ways and 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 to become a listener and a learner in this conversation. Not to repent, then now I'm gonna go lead the movement because well, I can. Yeah. Because I didn't learn something or I decided yeah. that I'm gonna change my ways. Like what? <laughs> No. We want to see people walk it like they talk it, right? Like, as the Migos would say, we don't, we want to see actions that, that back that up. And I think it's really hard because, you know, we love um, allies and, but sometimes I think people mistake ally meaning to speak over or to speak instead of. And I think Tasha talks about in this chapter, um, you know, part of repentance is elevating the voice of others. And we saw this, a really great example of this, I think a couple of years ago um, at a conference for on the topic of justice. Um, and the, con- the conference lineup was a little bit lacking in diversity. And one of the um, white female speakers, Ann Votskamp, gave actually gave up her speaking spot for a um, Asian American woman, K- Kathy King. And the thing was that was so powerful about this movement is Anne did it publicly. Like she publicly said, Hey, this was a mistake in how we have done this conference lineup. And I want to publicly give my spot, um, to someone else. And I just think that that was such a powerful witness and testimony. Um, I think to Anne's own work and the work that she was doing, to really say, if I'm a person who's about justice, if I'm a person who's about racial reconciliation, I can't be comfortable in 
predominantly white spaces where even if the conversation is about, you know, whatever it's about, like marriage or, you know, work life or, or, or even in, especially in situations about race, like it cannot always be, um, the white voices are the ones that are, are speaking or the ones that are heard. That is so true. And recognizing that a lot of what is being said um, in these spaces are stuff people of color have been saying. Oh, for sure. So, you know, giving up your space or maybe a space that was, you know, maybe more easily accessible to you because of your color. And some for some people, they might have found your work or writing more palatable. Um, I mean, it's not like it's not like it hasn't already been said and that there aren't people who are incredible writers, theologians, you know, thought leaders that have been saying these things. It's just simply giving up this space where maybe you have been provided visibility in a way that people of color haven't giving that up. So other people can hear from um, professionals who have literally spent their life, dedicated their life to doing this work. And I think that um, it's not a foreign concept to uplift the voices and the arms of people of color in this work instead of saying, man, I figured it out. I've got it. I'm going to kind of lead and do my own thing um, because I can and because I have this platform. Like there's so many, it's very rare that you're going to find people committed to following the leadership of people of color willingly, desiring to do it, like hungering for it. Like you don't see that. And I think that that's, I think that's a problem. And I think that we're coming to a place where more are becoming more open to it. And I think that that's good. Um, But I also think it's something to recognize in this work. Like when you're getting to this point where you're talking about facing the oppressed and facing God, when you're talking about repentance, like how, how do I really live that out in my life and in my work? Am I hoarding it to myself? Am I creating room? Am I using the influence that I have to elevate? Or am I just using my influence to create other spaces where I can still lead in it and lead in these new, quote unquote, new movements instead of finding myself submitting to somebody else who's already leading and I just get to learn and be mentored by them? I mean, that's that's a conversation. Yeah. I mean, I think that's really good because it's like you're hoarding your resources in another way, right? Like you're not in that situation you described, you've not given up anything. You've just moved to another thing, right? So that you are still getting called for the conferences or the speaking or the book deals. Um, But, you know, you haven't made space for anyone else. So you have. And so I think that's um, a really important point that like, again, repentance is backed by actions. And I think, you know, and I, I will say, I will say this, you know, we're not asking for um, our fair skinned brothers and sisters to be quiet and not say anything because there are times where they might be called to speak or um, it might just be, you know, your friends of color are tired and don't want to speak into that. Um, and so, I'm, you know, there's not any like cut and dry rule, I guess I would say. Um, but I would say, you know, examining your motivations. And I think also too, like, um, 
yeah, like, am I asking yourself, am I the best person to speak on this issue? And then at least asking, like, because even if it's like a situation where, you know, I've had situations um, where, you know, someone has been needed to get together, you know, they need, someone needed to like wrangle them in a little bit. Um, And, you know, one of my white friends was like, do you want me to handle this or do you want to say something? And I just appreciated him asking. I did not want to handle it. (laughs) I was tired. (laughs) Um, And he did it. And so, you know, like, so, I mean, I think that's like a really great thing to just think about and do, like not to not be silent, but just think about how you're using your voice and how you're moving in spaces. Right. And also like one thing I like to tell people is that it's going to cost you something. You're not going to do this work and then it's going to be free. Like, oh my gosh, like the money is falling from the sky. I stood up. I talked about Everybody racism. Everybody like, me. no, you're going to lose money <laughs> and you're going to lose invitations. Like, and people are not going to love you and people are going to be upset with you. And I know that I started experiencing that growing up in conservative environments, um, but it's okay because I'm black, I'm still black and I'm going to die black. So if I, um, you know, decide not to speak up and to say like what my experience is in this country and what I'm dealing with and and going through, then I'm not being authentic to who I am. Have I lost some fringe people? Sure, of course. And will I maybe lose some more people? Probably. Um, But is the fight in this work, in this work of justice worth it? Yes. Is it biblical? 100%. So um, I'm going to keep that same energy and my encouragement to my lighter, brighter brothers and sisters is if you are engaging in this work, you got to keep that same energy 100%. Um, Because like Catherine said, you might be going on that walkway against your cousin and them. And don't get invited to the cookout and not be rocking with what you're doing. Don't get invited to Thanksgiving dinner. (laughs) You might not be going to Thanksgiving. (laughs) Um, You know, and I, you know, I, you know, I'm not trying to hate on your grandma's potato salad, but you know, you might, that might be something you give up um, in this fight. And I think, you know, we'll talk about this more when we get into sort of some of the later chapters, but I will say like, it's not sacrifice for sacrifice sake, right? Like this whole conversation is motivated by love and to present a credible witness of the unifying power of Jesus Christ and that his church, unlike any other institution on earth, you see people who have nothing else in common, but that are living reconciled fully in love and kindness and community with one another. And so it's not, you know, yeah. So it's like, it is, you're going to probably lose some things, but I think to take heart um, that whatever you lose will be given unto you in heaven. And that ultimately it is about Jesus Christ and his church. And I think um, it's always important to remember like, um, Beth Moore said this weeks ago, and I just think it's so important to remember our ultimate allegiance is to Jesus Christ. And so if you don't get your grandma's potato salad anymore, hey, guys, you're rolling with Jesus. And so take heart and have some fun with that. <laughs> you know, there's always that. You don't have potato salad, but you got Jesus, girl. Go on, girl. <laughs> I don't even know how we're supposed to close this up, but I think that we're going to have to end on that note because, first of all, it is so funny. Second of all, it's just the truth. Like, you just, you have to know that at the end of the day, this work 
it's meaningful and it's not um, work that I feel like is casual. Um, think about this. Like the whole purpose that Jesus came to earth was for his people um, to love and to um, just give his life for us. And if we here on earth are not um, honoring the image of God in all people and how he is here on earth, his love expressed through all of us, um, we just really have to ask ourselves some tough questions. So here's what we want to leave you with. What does repentance mean to you? And how are you actively walking out repentance? And this goes for everybody. Like, what do you, what does it look like for you? How are you walking that out? We want to hear from you. We want to hear your opinions. I'm sure there's a ton of different opinions um, than even ours. So we would love to hear them. Share them with us. Um, and we hope that you guys keep rocking with us. Next episode will be from chapter eight of the book. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget, Be the Bridge, Pursuing God's Heart for Racial Reconciliation by our friend Latasha Morrison, available now wherever books are sold. Get your copy.